Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Kyle, welcome to Wednesday. Yeah, is that what you said? Wednesday? I did. I did. Wednesday. I picked up on that. Um, it's a good day, Joe. Tomorrow's Thursday night football. Who's playing? Uh, that's a great question. I feel like I always know. Like when you said that, I was drawing blanks. You just you just drew a blank there. Yeah, I'm like who the hell's playing tomorrow night? Cool. Uh, don't just search. If you Google search, don't just search TNF because you get some kind of tumor hit. Yeah, I I went to ESPN.com and I found out it's the Rams at the Seahawks, oh. an important one. Oh, imagine wasting that game on a Thursday. <laughs> An important divisional game. Right. Although yeah, that's not – do you – was it 2017 the Rams played the 49ers with color rush and they ended up scoring like 85 points in the game? Am I remembering this What's right? What's that about blind squirrels and nuts, you know? You're playing football. Eventually you're bound to have a good game, right? 49ers like, schedule. I'm, I, I swear I was out there – at Arizona State, yes. This was a Thursday night game. San Francisco was at home week three, and the Rams won 41-39. Hmm. And it was like a back and forth. I remember I was at the Fan Rag Sports uh, offices Rest that night watching that game because I had flown in and was getting ready to go to uh, Arizona, had a game on Friday, and then I was doing a doubleheader and scouting an Arizona State game on Saturday. I'll take the under on, uh, what'd you just say, like 80-something points? 80 on the dot. <laughs> Probably not going to happen, right? Do you want to know what the real over-under is? It's uh, 49 and a half. For Ram Seahawks? Yeah. Seahawks are favored by one. Uh, I'd probably take the under in that. I'd probably just stay away from it is what I would Yes, do. don't bet it, but <laughs> you had to ask me. That's where my gut says. Uh, Joe, I, I found you're a big dog guy, right? Yes. I'm also a big dog person. I have found the funniest news tidbit regarding a dog you will find this year. I I, I think I know. I, I scrolled your timeline before coming on the podcast as I normally do so I can know what smart what yeah, what's your what's going on in your life? Yes. I found this pug video. Is that what we're gonna talk about? Yes. I have to talk about the pug. For is just a minute. Uh, no, is that real? Yes, it's that's legitimate. I've never I've never played Halo, as many of you have probably assumed. So I didn't know if that's really what those aliens sounded like. So the news story is Halo hired a man and his pet pug to bring him into the sound studio. And he's like sniffing and 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 snorting and just gobbling up like food and just making all of these disgusting sounds. And the game developers for Halo, the video game, 
are using those sounds to effectively voice the alien species that's the antagonist in the game. Is this this is the way it's always been, or is this something going for? I don't know if this is the first time they've ever done it, or if they've done this in all the past. But it like I can hear it in the game, just listening to this pug. It's a thirty second video of this pug just like it's just like making all these obnoxious sounds, and I uh, laughed so hard I cried. How much time are you spending every day playing Halo? I mean, like what's uh, it's, it's I, been a, it's been a while. All right, I remember like a while. Have you eaten a Pop-Tart more recently than you've played Halo? No. Okay. I remember I very religiously played the first three. What What time of – when was that? Oh, man, I was probably 15 when the first one came out. So 15 years ago? Yeah, it was around two, like 2000 – between 2000 and 2003. Like, is that high school? Like, okay. Yeah, it was mid, like middle school, high school. Imagine playing video games in high school. And then I played it in, uh, I remember I got the midnight release of one of them and played the entire campaign in college, like overnight, stayed up, pulled an all-nighter, didn't go to my classes the next day, just did the entire campaign overnight. Did you eat some uh, deli ends to get you through that, power you through? You know, there was some canned tuna involved and some deli ends, yes. Uh. Should we talk? Let's about do. Football? Yeah. Uh, Kyle Krabs, ages Pac-Man 15 track. to 25. Sounds like a weird guy. Uh, what do you mean? 15 to 25. Still in. <laughs> Wait, you're the same. It's called you're the same baby, guy. Baby. I don't know. I didn't know you until you were 26, probably. Eh, maybe Something 25. Like All right. What are we talking about, man? Um, so you had brought up this point yesterday. And had presented me with a hypothetical of the Miami Dolphins. And I don't want to make this show about the Dolphins, but I'd rather have it be a philosophical conversation, right? You know, you can put any team in this situation. And of course, every team will be different based on their rosters, but that's what we're going to talk about today. You asked me if you were the Dolphins and you got to a tongue of Viola with the first overall pick, would you trade? Your second, your your tenth overall pick, and your twenty fifth overall pick to try and trade up to like three and draft Chase Young, or would you rather stand pat? And I think that's a really interesting conversation, specifically if you were to apply it to this year's class. Uh, and and I think different teams would probably have different answers, but I wanted us to kind of flesh that out a little bit today on the show, Joe. Yeah, it's really interesting to me, and I think what was going to make the conversation hard for me is making it general because I do think so much that goes into this conversation is the dynamics of the team we're talking about this being a possibility for. And So then let's let's do them on a team-by-team basis. Okay. Let's talk about some of these teams. And say, hey, if you're this team, would you would you have A or B? Well, the, what's unique is the Miami Dolphins are the team that can do this. I guess the Raiders as well, but I mean, the Raiders are going to be at least an average team, it seems, this year, and they own the Bears pick, so they're not in striking distance to do anything like that. Well, let's talk about the Dolphins first, then. Okay, so the, the Dolphins, yeah. assuming they get the number one pick. We'll look at a couple of these teams that are in contention for the number one overall pick and then say, hey, what else could you give up to make that jump? 
Would you rather have one, which is two at Tunga Viola, pick between eight and 12 as the Pittsburgh pick. We're assuming it's going to fall there at this point in time. And then the Houston Texans pick, which will be between 20 and 25, most likely unless they make a deep playoff run. Or would you rather have one and three and give up those later picks and probably one of your two second round picks? So for me, if I'm Miami in that specific situation, I would rather have the three picks. Um, I think that it would be incredibly meaningful to add a player like Chase Chase Young in addition to Tua. But the reality is Miami's not Chase Young away, and they are several players away. And part of acquiring this draft capital has led to holes created on the roster. And so I don't think – I think you lose the economic side of what made those trades great by taking Laramie Tunsil, who you invested a first-round pick in, and getting multiple picks to replace that player but also add other players. To me, I don't like the idea of taking away that economic value for a football team that has a lot of holes and can use as many darts to throw at the dartboard to improve the roster. So – it's a meaningful pick, but I think more meaningful for Miami is having more opportunities to get really good players. Well, and that's kind of their philosophy in general right now, right? That's that's why they've stockpiled the capital that they have so that they can address so many holes on the roster and their vision does include not spending three years trying to get the roster to a point to be competitive. They want to compete in 2020. They will not compete in 2020 in all likelihood, but they want to get the pendulum swung back around the other way. And if you draft a quarterback at one with this roster, I understand free agency is a big player, but you're not going to sign four new starters on your offensive line in free agency and be set for the long term and not sweat some of the guaranteed money you're going to have to pay some of these guys to come to Miami. You have to use the draft. I am constantly presented with uh, mock draft machine iterations from the draftnetwork.com from Dolphins fans, and it says, hey, what do you think of this? And it's Tua, defensive end at seven, and then like Jeff Okuda or Bryce Hall or Christian Fulton at 25. They say, where's the offensive line? In my opinion, you're doing Tua a disservice to draft him at one and not invest around him immediately and heavily. And because of that, even though Chase Young probably is, well, he is one of the two best prospects in this year's draft class as of this point in time, to walk away with the first and second best players is terrific but to walk away with it in lieu of protecting your first investment in which you gave away some assets in Laramie Tunsil to get into a position to get I think would be pretty short-sighted on Miami's part. Kyle I have a follow-up question for you on that line of thinking but before we do that need to tell everyone about our sponsor today which is Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a service dedicated to bringing prescription treatments for men who cannot and do not want to take pills and want to have more confidence in the bedroom. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a deal for you. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So, Kyle, um, you had mentioned that you really want to see in, in the specific talking about the Dolphins, that you would really want to see them invest after the Tua pick on offense how does i mean is that a a big determining factor in you being kind of anti-trade up for a chase young because those picks need to be invested to help tua or is it a situation where like could you live with the bit with with miami picking other having those picks but then still using them on not necessarily help for tua what if you traded up and that trade up was for andrew thomas like, how do those dynamics play in your thought I th- process? I think that I think that helps, and that's a great point. Um, by the way, I've done a lot of offensive tackle study over the course of the past five days or so with our intern Carter Donick, who's who's been brought on for the fall season. If you're not familiar, Carter is a very bright young mind, and I'm very envious that he's starting his pursuit into a football career at the age of 17 instead of waiting till 25, like I did. <laughs> Um, but, um, Andrew Thomas is a scheme fit for the Miami Dolphins, but the more I watch him, the more I think he might not be offensive tackle one on a lot of teams boards when it's all said and done. I know that's a very sudden kind of shift away from what you just asked me, but it was an observation that I made in watching him with Carter and doing a lot of in-depth study with Carter. Do you have any thoughts on that before I answer your question well I mean what you just said leads me to believe that he's certainly not worth giving up multiple first round picks to go get and to me that further makes me raise an eyebrow towards giving up Laramie Tunsil for multiple first round picks so uh you know I I think that's that in and of itself specifically answers the question but if it was an offensive tackle that you believed in was that, you know, the next Tyron Smith or David Bakhtiari, is that something you can get behind? It's a, it's an easier pill to swallow. Uh, the two is situation with, with being the first overall pick and, and any team that would need an offensive line to build around him, you get put in an interesting and unique situation because two is left-handed. You need good offensive tackles on both sides of the, of the line, don't get me wrong. But Andrew Thomas plays left tackle, which is the front side tackle. Tristan Wirfs plays right tackle, which would be to his blind side, but everybody else's front side tackle. And Andrew Thomas, I feel like, is a scheme-specific type of starter, and Tristan Wirfs is a right tackle for everybody else. So are you going to trade up into the top five to draft a right tackle? How often do you see right tackles get drafted that early? So I just think these these individual 
variables all combining the way they are make it very difficult for me. You know, as you had mentioned with, with if Andrew Thomas is team specific, you don't give up multiple first round picks when you're effectively trading him straight up for Laramie Tunsil. So we both agree, don't trade up, right? Take all the draft capital, get as many good players as you can and try to build around specifically Tua. One talking point that I had written down in advance of this conversation was, while I could go through every draft and find really good players picked in the top five, top ten, I can also give you a lot of really bad players and a lot of players that people did not think wouldn't be good players. How does, taking this to a more general conversation, not Miami-specific, how does the uncertainty of hitting on even perceived blue chip players go into your thought process with making a move up? Well, it scares the hell out of yeah. you, right? Well, yeah. Because that's that again, that is you look at a case study of any NFL front office with the exception of like one or two. And generally speaking, the success rate per pick maybe percentage points better, but everybody's in the same ballpark. Everybody's in the same section of the ballpark as far as your success rate drafting players. And the difference becomes the volume of the picks that you select. So if picks one through 10 has X success rate, everybody's hitting in that same general average. Picks one through 40 or or 20... 20 through 40 all have the same general success rate. The more ammunition that you can have in those those picks, the better your odds are of consistently adding talent to your roster on a year-by-year basis because it's more lottery tickets, gives you more chances to win the lottery. So for a team that we're talking about hypothetically has 1, 12, 25, and 33 You've got two picks in each of the first two buckets of one through 20 and 20 through 40. I have an interesting thought on that, but I want to tell everyone about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football, game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines. There's nothing else like the NFL. There's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and better sports lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should, too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now. MyBookie will double your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. The promo code, again, is LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Kyle, one thing as a team, a fan of a team, Buffalo Bills, that has been searching for a quarterback for a long time, I always – <laughs> and a team that was always like six and ten, seven and nine, right? Quarterback purgatory, yeah, right. And you're like, damn it, like you got to have you got to have the number one overall pick to satisfy your quarterback need. That's that's poppycock, right? And I think that's true at a lot of other positions, right? You don't have to have the number one overall pick 
to get your quarterback. You don't have to have a top three pick to get an impact pass rusher. What you have to have is good scouting and good drafting philosophies and good practices in, in, in terms of making sure you make the picks that you have count. Now, certainly the higher up in the order you are, the better and the more likely that you're going to get the certain players that you want. But there are too many examples, and a lot of it comes down to just sample size, where there's only 10 top 10 picks, and there's you know hundreds of non-top 10 picks. But the answers to your problem are not always picking higher in the draft. That's the lazy, that's the lazy solution, right? You just assume, well, we get, the, we get our pick of the litter no matter what, so we won't take the bad player. You, you see it happen. It happens. It's a very real piece of what we do. And it's a lot of times faulty process, as you said, having good scouts, understanding specifically what you're looking for, having a vision for that player. I think back to 2013 when the Dolphins traded up for Deion Jordan, which you referenced yesterday. Yeah, They didn't know what to do with him. They, they traded up, jumped up. And everybody said, oh, here you go. They're going to draft Lane Johnson and, and, and make him their right tackle. Uh, but they drafted Deion Jordan instead, and they had no idea where to play him. They tried to make him a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, didn't know how to rush the passer from that position because he was a guy that was just kind of moved all around in an amoeba style. And then they tried to move him to linebacker, but they had stunted his development because they played him with his hand in the dirt for so long. And then he kind of showed a little something because they let him stand up and, and twist and stunt. and then, But the, there was just this complete lack of imagination from the Joe Philbin coaching staff that made it very clear that there was a disconnect. And that, Joe, that is the biggest hurdle for any pick is making sure the coaching staff has proper input without having too much power. And very few teams are able to really consistently find and strike that balance between the two because it's such a high-risk field and there is so little job security and only so many places are able to string together winning seasons for several seasons to be able to establish that comfort where the coach isn't in some degree saying, I need, I feel pressure to win, so I want to have my guy. And the GM says, well, I'm not going to make a – a worse pick in my eyes because it's helpful to you as the head coach for your job security. I need to worry about my own job security and take the best player. What you just talked about is something we hear every year. The every the, year. Yeah, whether it's whether it was the Jets right with the the coaching staff wants was it Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver was that their debate and now you're hearing now that the coaching staff didn't want Dwayne Haskins but ownership wanted Dwayne Haskins. I mean, there's examples every year of you you finding out about this disconnect between what the coaching staff prefers, what the GM and, and his staff prefers, and that 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 discord is very bad for an organization. It's unhealthy, and it's it's why there are only six to eight teams in the NFL that consistently are challenging for deep postseason runs because that culture does not come up overnight. And I can't think of any more legendary example, Joe, I can, I will never, I will on my deathbed, I will die thinking about how John Gruden had his own draft board on draft night 
that was completely separate and completely different than their general manager's draft board. I will think about that every single day because that is so mind-numbingly dumb to handle it that way. And if you're going to get in that position, just fire Reggie McKenzie. Which if you're going to flush his reports down the toilet before the draft, after the, but you can't because they have all the background information you need. I, I, I still to this day cannot wrap my mind around. That's legitimately how the Raiders handled the draft. Who was it that wrote that piece on Mark Davis's flirtation with John Gruden and how it all culminated? I don't remember. That that piece came out, I think, last month. And it was fascinating to read because it laid it out on the table. And it said Mark Davis, you know, Mark Davis apparently told Jack Del Rio the year the Raiders went 12-4, and four, if Gruden's interested in getting back into coaching, I'm going to fire you in higher time. <laughs> and then the collapse came. Yes. And then he hired John Gruden for 10 years, $100 million. So this is the type of stuff, man, that – you know, we could talk about players and what they do well and good schemes and all that type of stuff. But this type of organizational organizational unity and having accountability and systems in place and you know who has final say and everyone being on the same page really trumps a lot of the stuff that we talk about in terms of what happens between the white lines. And um, you, you get a sense of it. You follow the league. You follow your own teams. You know who's kind of clicking and who's not and – you need to be concerned about the teams where you hear about this discord and um, it's not encouraging for a lot of them. And, and, and unfortunately it's a lot of the same situations and it's really more than anything, an ownership problem and right. uh, owners don't fire themselves. So uh, that, that is one reason why I'm optimistic about uh, the Miami situation and Joe, why you should be optimistic about the Buffalo situation. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm in love you know, with everything. And yeah. Bean, yeah. Oh God. I mean, they're on the same page with everything. Yeah. There's no question. And there's no question. And it, it's very apparent in following the Miami dolphins that Chris Greer and Brian Flores, they talk about everything. They have conversations about every personnel decision, every signing they watched. They, you know, Greer said they'd, they'd watched players together and get gotten input from Flores. So Flores is very involved, but Greer's the guy that calls shots. So, um, Joe, I guess a final question here for you. If you think about the other teams that are kind of in position to draft uh, inside the top five picks, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any team that's in that position that you could say it would be most beneficial for them to trade the farm if they were to get the top pick to draft a quarterback and trade the farm to trade up and draft Chase Young uh, with, let's assume it's a, one of the first few picks of the second round. Uh, we're we're going to have to talk like Robert Griffin style deal here where you're going to have to give up 30, 33 next year's one probably the year after's one and an additional uh, day two pick. Uh, team that pops for me, Kyle, is Jacksonville. Another two and two. They're currently slated to pick ninth in the draft, but I have to think of a team that, I, that has an opportunity to get more capital. In the form of Jalen Ramsey, Jacksonville is primed to get 
additional ammunition, right? And and that's the type of team that you feel like the remainder of team has some really good things about it. Now you got to get rid of Marone, but if you can go get a couple of really high impact players, <laughs> I think that's a team that is definitely closer and has a need at quarterback, in my opinion. I know the, the financials in the Foles deal make this a little bit challenging, at least for a season. But And I know everyone's into Minshew mania. And look, I'll, I'll eat crow if he winds up being or, you know, a high-caliber starting quarterback that's preferred over any long period of time. But I feel like that's the team that's at least the most interesting to me um, that has a realistic chance at making that type of a splash. And are they – who are the two players? They're, are they drafting two in Chase Young in your scenario? Well, I think it would be – I don't know that it would be Chase Young, Kyle. I think it could be um, – one of the Jerry Judy, but what if it's Tua and Jerry Judy? What if it's oh my god, what, imagine those two on that team? Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. What if it's um Tua and, and uh Jeffrey Akuda? So you trade Jalen for two ones and then you use one of those ones, or technically both of those ones and your second round pick to jump up and, and draft his replacement in Akuda, in addition to drafting a starting quarterback with a number one overall pick. Potentially, yeah. I mean, obviously, the the Judy thing, the Judy Tua thing, would be really exciting, and um, I hate the idea of creating those holes. But it, it's it's just what happens, right? It's what the Raiders did. <laughs> they right. they've they've already replaced use one of those picks for uh, Cleveland Farrell, and Miami's going to draft an offensive tackle. So I mean, that's just that's kind of the nature of it, right? And, but in I guess. <laughs> As odd as it sounds, I guess in both situations they felt like they they did the right thing, um, but that's an unfortunate reality when you trade a player. Is you you do create your own hole a lot of right. times. There, there's going to be a hole there yeah. that you have to fill. How about if they traded? Um, how about if they cha- traded Ramsey for two ones, two late ones? You know, each of the next two years. I know they don't want to do that, and it doesn't sound like they're going to cave on it. But if Jalen forces their hand. Uh, I've read that they they turned down an offer of two first round picks because they felt those two picks were going to be too close to thirty two, going to a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, which would have to be either Philly or Kansas City, right? Right. right. Um, imagine they do that, and then you get into a position where you have to create another hole, but you get a whole boatload of capital. Y- you you can't pay everybody, and Yannick Ngakwe is up. What if they franchised Yannick Ngakwe and then traded Yannick Ngakwe on the franchise tag and got more prime time capital? And then they trade and then they trade up and draft Chase Young. Seems weird to me. But the, see, there's so many there's so many dominoes with that. And what what makes this conversation fascinating for me is right now Miami's picking one and seven and twenty-five. They've actually had the dominoes. They've, they, they've done all the unrealistic things you would never guess right. a team would actually do to have those dominoes fall and be in this position. I'd rather see – I think this would put tie a ribbon on my overall thoughts here. Let's say – this is not unrealistic. Let's say Miami has one seven and 25. I'd rather see Miami trade back from seven. And, you know, whether that's acquiring another pick next year, whether that's acquiring multiple day two picks, then to move up. 
I agree. I think if you can, if that pick ends up falling in the back end of the top 10, trade back into the mid to late teens, pick up next year's two, or this year's two and next year's one, and call it a day. And now you, all of a sudden you have three first-round picks in each of the next two years. Buffalo moved up from 11 to 7 for Josh Allen. They gave up 53 and 55. Okay, so this, he, that's always a – I mean, we're going to open up a whole other can of worms, which I don't want to do. But I always think it's fascinating to account for the draft value of a pick next year because you you lose some of the value of that pick because it's 12 months from now. Well, yeah, I'm sure I, the Bills probably could have offered Tampa their 2019 first-round pick and kept both of those seconds, right? Like maybe right. that was – I don't know what those that's, negotiations That's quote-unquote equal value. Right, yeah, I agree with you. But, I mean, Miami – I mean, you saw the – I mean, Buffalo moved from 10 to 27, got a one and a four from Kansas City in the Mahomes deal. Uh, you think about uh, the the Broncos and, and Steelers deal from this past mm-hmm. year. I mean, those are all things that should be considered. Now, if they get any higher, like if Pittsburgh just winds up winning like two or three more games, this winds up being a top five pick. Well, you're going to get an elite talent, and I wouldn't trade away from that. But when we start talking about the back half of that top five, and top ten, excuse me, gets interesting in terms of. I just, I just think Miami needs as many opportunities as they can. And I think on top of that, they need to get as many meaningful veterans as they can to, to complement all the young talent that's coming into South Beach. I feel like we did a decent job not making this a completely Miami Dolphins-oriented podcast. And not, there's nothing I – listen, can I address that for a second? I don't want to talk about yes. the Dolphins all the time in this podcast. But the reality is this is a draft podcast, and the Miami Dolphins are dictating the next two drafts. And so they're going to be a lot of what we talk about. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to be as mindful as we can about that so that way we we hit as much as we can. And I know it's very meaningful to listeners when we talk about their team. Um, but it's Miami's just going to be a part of this. It's, it's just how it is. And I'm not even the Miami guy on this podcast. But I also feel like there were some pretty deep-rooted philosophical conversations right. that took place in right. this. Right. I Which agree. is why I, I, I'm really happy with how this turned out instead of just getting into a pissing contest on which three players you'd like to see Miami take. Yeah, we got, we've got we got seven more months to get there, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about scenarios until we're blue in the face. We're going to do a lot of mock drafts on this podcast, right? I mean, can't wait. Yeah. We're due for one. We, we, yeah, let's, it's October, brother. Let's do – I've got – see, here's the deal. I got my mock draft comes out on Monday for the Draft Network. So yeah. maybe we push this to the week after. Next, the Wednesday after that. So two weeks from today. Um, two weeks from today. That's Trevor's week for the mock. Yeah. And then my mock comes out the following Monday. So it's in between our mocks, mine and yours. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Next Wednesday. Or a week from, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. Yeah. Lock it in, folks. Get pumped. Come back, see us. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. If you have hot takes for next week, let us know at the Joe Marino at grinding the tape with the hashtag takes on takes. Come back tomorrow. We're going to talk top 25 picks against the spread in college football. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.